0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome and we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi my friends and welcome back to the Open House podcast. Without risk of you thinking that you're listening to Call Her Daddy, it's the motherfucking holiday season. I sound like Alexandra Cooper. Let's now add a bit of Louis rumble. The holiday season is either going to be some of the best times of your year, but also can be some of the worst. And if you're joining us this December, we're hopefully going to be taking you through a ton of helpful therapist-backed content I guess like SOS episodes to help you get through this holiday season, whether you love it or whether you hate it. If you haven't already listened to these episodes, we've run through how not to get depressed this winter with Sarah Murphy, how to consider being that girl, that guy and being sober or sober curious this holiday season with Steph Ellsworth, as well as how to survive your family this holiday season, the ultimate SOS guide with Stephanie on how you can make it through this holiday season in one piece. But today, we are talking all things sex. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, when I used to drink, the holiday season used to get crazy. We had a lot of birthdays in my friendship group starting around the 22nd of November. And I don't know about you, but from that weekend onwards, it felt like we hit birthday season and the rest of the year was a wrap. We'd go from birthday celebration straight into December, and December would just kind of like pick up speed to the point that Saturday night would turn into Friday and Saturday, and then it would turn into Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then maybe we'd be going out midweek too. I remember some of the best days and nights of my life from the winter months of living in London and New York, but truthfully, also some of my worst. And I don't know about you, but for me, the more alcohol that I always used to have in my system, the more that there was just this opportunity for everything to go very wrong. And I'm not just talking about the party getting a bit wild or taking a little bit too many drugs or the hangover getting a little too vomity. But I'm also talking about consent being something that seemingly goes out of the window during these crazy party periods. And truthfully, I actually don't have one memory at all in my younger years, but definitely not in the crazy holiday season of someone asking me if I wanted to hook up or how I felt about doing something or if I wanted to have sex with them. Everything was just one big, blurry, hazy party blur. Now, I'm not going to be talking about how traumatizing casual sex can be for some of us, particularly if we're anxiously attached. If that's you, Dr. Masano and I have already taken you on that journey in episode 66. But today we're going to be talking about how sex can be so much more amazing when you start to talk about it before it happens. And honestly, I don't know about you, but the only ever pre-sex conversations I was having is if we were having sex talk before we got into the bedroom. There was never a grown-up adult conversation about anything. And some of you might listen to this episode and think, that takes the fun out of it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about consent. I just want to hook up. I want to find the person that I'm into in a nightclub and I want to roll with it. And if that's you and you're good to go with casual sex, then you do you, hon. I am actually jealous. There have been so many times when I wish sex could be easier for me, more fun for me. I didn't overthink it and feel regretful or shameful or sad the next day. This episode is for people who do want to feel safer, for the people that want to have better sex and the people that want to talk about it before it happens. We initially recorded this as a bonus episode for our Open House Premium subscribers. If you want to join us there, you can do that through the show notes. You get bonus content every month. You get access to our community room, the house, as well as a private room with the therapist in to answer your very own questions. But I decided that this episode needs to hit the main feed for the holiday season because now more than ever, we need to be talking about these things. And don't get me wrong, there are times when we should just enjoy ourselves and live our best life. I remember one holiday season, I literally picked up a boyfriend for like a month. I don't know where I found him, but he was a model. He was so handsome. I literally used him as my Christmas prop. We'd be like going out with me and all my friends and his friends would join and everyone kind of paired off within the friendship groups. And I literally used this guy as my Christmas card prop. We'd be taking photos kissing under the Christmas lights on Regent Street in London. Every photo that we took was like, literally felt like it was out of a model shoe. I was living my best life. It was so fun. But also looking back, I'm like, how did you get out of that situation like safe and in one piece? I'm pretty sure we were drunk. We weren't using condoms. Things just really ramped up and the holiday season was crazy. I somehow managed to get out of that holiday season without a pregnancy scare, without a small child in tow. And of course I went to go and get checked and tested after that. And I somehow had managed to get through that having unprotected sex with there being nothing to worry about and everything was fine. But I look back and I just wish the younger version of me had been able to have these conversations, had been able to talk about these things before we started having sex or before we got so drunk that these conversations went out the window. I truthfully believe that we need to be talking about these things more than ever. And if you think it's weird that you should be having a conversation before having sex with someone, then I think that in itself is a flashlight into how uncommunicative, Today's society has become and the fact that we're okay to share our innermost intimate body parts with someone or put their penis in our mouth, but that we can't have a conversation and say, do you have a condom? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you think this is going to be a one night thing? And that for me is mind blowing. So I hope this episode is helpful for you. Remember, wrap up, use protection, have fun and try your hardest to talk about having sex before it happens, because I promise you. It will be more likely that you can come through that experience as it being an amazing, beautiful sexual encounter rather than an upsetting or distressing experience that has the risk of ruining your holiday season. I friggin' love you guys. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Today is an important one. I have got clinical sexologist Dr. Massimo back with me on the podcast. So happy to have him here. Today, we are going to be talking about a conversation that is going to change your sex life. I can't say it. We have been working together for years. I cannot get the acronym right. I can't get it right. So I'm going to hand over to Dr. Massimo to tell you about this I'll be something conversation and what the letters stand for. So over to you, Massimo.
1: This will always make me laugh and i hope i don't get it confused (laughs) it is called the rdbsma conversation and this is a conversation that i urge anybody to have whether you are at the start of a relationship or whether you have been in a relationship for 10 15 20 years it makes no difference this can be incorporated that you create a level of safety that you will never experience from any other conversation so to jump right in r is your relationship status It is the first thing that needs to be discussed when you meet someone and both of you say, what is your relationship status? I am single. I am monogamous. I'm polyamorous. You can have that moment to express who you are from that relationship status perspective.
0: And I think this sounds so silly because sometimes we're like, well, why do I need to discuss my relationship status? But the truth is, is that we cannot assume We can't assume anything in today's society. And I cannot tell you how many times when I was younger, I would like meet someone and I'd really connect with them and they'd have a girlfriend. I'd meet someone, I'd connect with them, they'd be married, they'd have kids. They wouldn't communicate these things because I didn't ask, right? You need to be asking these questions. You need to know what their relationship status is. Not only that, but taking it one step further into the space of Dr. Terry She always says, like, if you want a relationship right now, you need to ask the other person, what do they want? And I think if we bring that concept into the sex space is often we will engage with someone in a sexual or intimate way when what we want is a relationship. And we enter with silence and we enter with the hope that maybe if the sex is good enough, maybe if they like us enough, maybe if we sleep together long enough, that it might turn into a relationship. Massimo, that is not the case, is it? Having sex with someone does not mean you are going to end up in a relationship with them.
1: Absolutely. It doesn't mean anything near that. And I'm so glad that you brought up the idea of hope because there's a big difference between hoping something is going to go the way that you want it to go or knowing. And by using this as a conversation starter, you really have a knowingness stepping into anything. And then you can make a decision as to if you want to go forward with it or not. That's completely up to you. So there's no one to blame. It's very much your responsibility of moving things forward. And if we're still on the relationship status, what's really nice about that is that let's say, for instance, you encounter someone who is polyamorous, right? And they really live in that space. Now, if you're monogamous and you meet this person and They tick all the boxes for you, but you know deep down inside that you don't have the capacity in yourself to allow yourself to step into more of a polyamorous kind of relating style. You're not going to do it because it's setting yourself up for failure and vice versa, right? So it just gives you that perspective to make more concise decisions in terms of what's going to keep you safe in the longevity of wanting to create a relationship with someone.
0: And I think even before that, before you get to the, I want a relationship, For many people who are just engaging in a one night stand, even there, there may be the belief that after this, I want something else. I want to do this again. I want to have a friends with benefits. I don't want this to be a one-time thing. You have to discuss that because for the other person, they just want a one night stand. They met you in a nightclub. That is all it is for them. That is it. So that's another thing we have to consider, right?
1: Which feeds perfectly into desire because... Let's say for instance, we are thinking about this interaction being a one night stand and I'm having a conversation with someone and I ask them, what is your desire in terms of what you're wanting from the experience to see? I could say, I would love to have penetrative sex with you and that is all I'm looking for, right? The other person may turn around and say, actually what I'm wanting is some cuddling and kissing and just being a little bit more intimate. And that gives you another layer to protect yourself and keep yourself in a safe position. Because from there, If the other person does not consent to going to the level that you're at, which is not so high in terms of what you're leading towards penetration, let's say, it then gives you an opportunity to go, actually, this person is not going to really understand what consent is about. It's actually going to give me an idea that this person won't be able to be respectful of my boundaries and leave the interaction feeling good about myself. So now we're on D and D is desire. And that's where it gives you this beautiful opportunity to be really clear with what you're wanting. And what I find that happens a lot of the time in these kind of interactions is that most of us don't actually know what our desire is. And we shoot ourselves in the foot, giving the responsibility to the other person and allowing them to drive where this relationship is going or relating moment, instead of actually taking stock that maybe you don't know what you desire. And that in itself is also a good enough answer to say, I actually don't know what I desire right now. Can we come back to this and revisit this after we've had the RDBSMA conversation?
0: Yes, this is so important because I know that I'm not alone in having been in many occasions when I was younger, that honestly, I just wanted to like hook up with you, like kiss, make out, maybe a little bit of foreplay, have a cuddle. For me, I've said frequently, like penetrative sex has brought me a lot of trauma in my lifetime. So I always feel a lot safer in the foreplay space. And if I was to have this conversation and to communicate that, I could see if the other person was happy with that. But of course, I hadn't met Dr. Massimo at this point. I hadn't learned anything about these things. So I would go into this space, but I would bring silence and I would know that my own personal boundary was that I don't want to do anything more than X, Y, Z. But then if I was drunk or if I just got a bit carried away, I would then find myself doing things that I didn't really want to do. Because I hadn't communicated it then, I then felt embarrassed to say, stop. And then that is how you get yourself in tricky situations. And taking it back to the anxious attachment style, that is what can pour gasoline on your attachment style. And also I think it's so important to be able to say like, I would just love to have a cuddle with you. I have never once said that to someone in my whole life, even if I'd meant it a million times. So I think this D, the desire, such an important part of the conversation. What comes next?
1: Before next, which is boundaries. What's really interesting is that there's this assumption that most men want to jump straight away into the penetrative side. Which, yes, we could say is potentially where we're all wanting to step into eventually. But when you're met with this kind of conversation and someone says, actually, I just want to cuddle, are you okay with that? All of a sudden, if you have any performance anxiety, you have any worries about what's going to happen to my erection, am I going to lose it, am I not going to lose it? All these things that maybe you need to take a little bit more time to ease into the situation, gives you a beautiful opportunity to reconnect with somebody very differently in comparison to how you normally would be pressurizing yourself to do.
0: Yeah, I love that, so important.
1: So jumping into boundaries, this once again, I think, is one of the most important places. And what I always say is that when you're having the RDBSMA conversation, it's not a one-off conversation. You can spend an hour going back and forward through all these different categories of the RDBSMA conversation, to really fine tune what you are needing and what your partner is needing in that interaction. So when we're thinking about boundaries, where are your limits? Where are your hard no's? Like we always say, if it's a maybe, it's a no. So these are all the parameters that you can start bringing in and discussing. But even more so, if you don't know where your boundaries are, that in itself is something that needs to be said. I don't know where my boundaries are. Can we take this easily and very gently because then it gives me an opportunity to say, "Actually, this feels really right or wrong, and we can take it from there and then get a little bit more into.
0: oh, yes, I think this whole episode is probably trigger warning for anyone that has had any sexual trauma because I swear everything I say in today's episode is like kind of probably triggering for anyone that's gone through anything like me. but for me, for example, like one of my huge boundaries is always protection, right? I love protected sex, it makes me feel safe. Why is that? Oh, because I've had a lot of trauma around unprotected sex. Not going to go into that today. But yeah, that's one of my boundaries. And so when I was younger, for example, I would have that boundary in my head, which is like, okay, I might be happy to have sex, but it has to be protected. You have to wear a condom. But I wouldn't verbalize that because we weren't having this conversation. So I had that boundary in my head. And then You know, you're young, you are with a disrespectful man, you are with a non-conscious man because 10 years ago, we just weren't having these conversations like as we are today. And I'm so happy that maybe I can help people avoid the horrendous situations that I went through. But I would be in situations where a guy would just put it inside of me without a condom on. Because in that moment, you know, when they're hovering over you, like I have actual trauma. I've spoken about this on another episode of a man being over me my body will like curl up because I have had moments where the guy will be on top of me and I'll be relaxed and whatever. And he will just like slide it inside of me. We would not have spoken about doing that. So fucking triggering for me. Like even now, my boyfriend, he knows not to do that because it brings something that's wired into my suppressed memories and emotions, like back to life. So that's now a position that like he does not do. Or like that that moment where he's over me, like with the power, he he just does not do that. You know, not only the putting it inside of you without a condom, but... Also, the taking the condom off, like they're two really traumatic memories that I remember with two different guys when I was way, way younger and the guy just took the condom off. Both guys just, well, one time the condom broke, which wasn't necessarily his fault, but he did not communicate that to me. He didn't stop straight away and say, this has happened. I just saw it on the floor of the shower and I was like, wait, that's supposed to be on you. Why the fuck is that on the floor? Oh, Poor baby Louise, like I didn't even say anything. It makes me so sad, like so sad, some of the situations that I've been in. But yeah, the other one is when the guy actively removes it. And like, if you're a woman or you're someone that has gone through that, I am so, so sorry because I have. And it is so traumatizing. It is so disrespectful. It is so violating. And one minute you were safe, you entered into something like Dr. Massimo said with a boundary. And that boundary got disrespected by someone. So yeah, moving forward, like, you know, in this relationship that I am now in, I, I have had this conversation with my partner way before we entered into anything because I've learned so much from Dr. Massimo. But I also know that hopefully I never will be. But if I am ever in a different situation, or maybe we have a threesome, you know, let's just put this into a different setting. If I'm ever in a situation where I'm going to have this conversation again, I know that I will never, ever, ever engage in sexual activity with someone before I have this conversation. And You guys might think that's dramatic. You guys might think that takes the fun out of it, that takes the sex out of it. Maybe for you it does, but for me it doesn't because I have had my safety taken away from me so many times that that is what takes the sexy out of it. That is what takes the fun out of it and that is what takes the passion out of it. So for me, like I said, safety, number one thing for me to have a good time. And I think this point around boundaries is both triggering for many of us, but also just showing us how important boundaries are because of how many times we have had our boundaries ignored or violated.
1: I am firstly so sorry that you had to go through that. And I'm very sorry that anybody has to go through that because it's really not a situation that should be happening to anybody. And one of the boundaries that I think we actually often overlook is this idea of permission. Permission for me is a boundary. If I don't receive permission from my partner to penetrate, there is no penetration. And this is a concept that I think a lot of men who are fundamentally the penetrators or anybody who's going to penetrate, whether it be fingers, tongue, whatever. There has to be that consent that is received that you are ready to receive that part of the process. And that's where it can also be brought up in the boundary section saying, one of my boundaries is that I want to give you permission before anything happens. And if that's not respected, then this is not going to carry on. I think one of the most important things also what you pointed out there in terms of condom usage and keeping yourself safe steps into the next part of this conversation and that's sexual status. One of the most fascinating things that I've come across is I've worked in one of the most prolific HIV and STI clinics in South Africa and seeing how no one speaks about this is beyond words. And here you have a conversation where within the first 10 minutes of conversing someone, you can say to them, what is your sexual status, which is avoided like the plague. You can have feedback if they are prepared. They have their little PDF with all their recent tests, which I suggest to anybody listening, whether in a relationship or not in a relationship, go get your tests done because it's a good thing just to bond two people together and it builds on trust. That's number one. But then it also gives you an amazing opportunity to decide whether you want to engage with this person or not. Because if I'm in a situation like that and this person says, I haven't been tested for eight months, I'm I'm sorry, with all due respect, I will not be engaging sexually with you this evening, maybe kissing, cuddling, that's fine. But the next part of that conversation is going to be, if you would like to engage further, you and I are going to take a merry little walk down to the next STI clinic that we can find, go get it done together. There is no shame about it. At least we know 100% where we stand. What does it do? It creates safety. It creates trust. You will know within that, just that part of the conversation, whether this person is worthy going down that route or not. Because for me, the second someone is very defensive about their sexual status, that's alarm bells going.
0: This is something that I never asked in my 20s. I was always very pro-protection, so I would always try and have protected sex, but I would never ask. I genuinely... Would never ask because, like you said, these things are not discussed. And the more and more that I step into this space and having a sex podcast, I'm learning so much. We had Beck Antonucci on the podcast talking about her experience with herpes, how common this is, but people still aren't talking about it. And I've got my own little PDF of literally everything under the sun. And if anyone listened to my life update, you would know that having these blood tests were a huge thing for me, like a huge health anxiety, huge needle phobia. It was so, so difficult for me. But I cannot tell you the relief having this PDF here with all of my little results on it. It gives me a confidence in myself and in my health. It also gives me a confidence to say to someone else, to my partner, these are my test results. Where are your test results? He also went to go and get his test results as well. And again, moving forward, if we were to ever have a threesome or if I was to whatever, you know, I hate, I always hate saying if I was to ever be doing this with someone else again, because it sounds like I'm saying I might be single one day, but I'm just trying to put myself in a different situation for you guys that are listening. So hypothetically, if I was ever single again, I would go to this person and like Dr. Massimo said these are my results. There's nothing that you need to know about on here. And again, guys, remember we are not using clean and dirty language. We don't have clean test results. That is just reinforcing the shame and the stigma that having an STI is dirty. It's not. It's part and parcel of just one of the risks that comes with enjoying sex. Just like one of the risks that comes with going on an airplane is that you might catch something in the air, whatever, you know, we need to shift our positioning on this. And this is why I'm so grateful that I've had Beck come on the podcast and start to share her experiences. And it's just been really beautiful because whenever we post about Beck, I get women listening to me saying, I have herpes. Thank you so much for sharing this. I always disclose and I cannot tell you how many people it's not a big deal for. We use protection and it's great. Or... I have someone saying, I have herpes and I've always been so ashamed of it. And I either don't have sex with people or I don't disclose. And now, as a result of this, thank you so much. I've become a healthier person. Wherever you sit on the spectrum, whatever your results show, it's just an important step forward into entering into this space of sharing openly and honestly with the other person and navigating that. Like Dr. Massimo said, the other person might say, that's not a big deal. Let's use protection. Or they might say, actually, This isn't a space that I want to step into. Let's leave this for now. Or they might say, I would love to get to know you better before deciding if this is a space that I want to step into. Because this person could be the love of your life. And so what if they have an STI? You'll navigate it together. It might just be inconvenient. You might need to use precautions. Like the truth is, is you really can navigate around it. It doesn't have to be a make or break.
1: And if they can't receive it well, they're not meant to be there. Exactly. This takes us to M, which for me is one of my most important points, and it's meaning. You have an encounter with someone and you go through the stages, R, D, B, S, M, and you get to that stage and you get to meaning. You have to be very clear what your meaning is that you want to get from this experience. And for me, there is nothing sexier and knowing the meaning that I want to extract from this encounter with this person. And even if it is a one night stand, going, I want to devour you the whole evening. And the meaning for me is, is that I know I can't commit to a serious relationship, but I want to be as present as possible with you in this moment and not be distracted in the slightest. That's the meaning that I want to get. And that can vary for anybody, right? And if you're in a, a long term relationship, th- this still applies because. Every sexual encounter that you can have with your partner, bringing this up and actually asking, what is the meaning that I want to extract from this, moves you more into the bodily emotional space of connection rather than actually, I just need to knock one off.
0: Couldn't agree more. I felt like the meaning, particularly if you have an anxious attachment style, we add so much meaning to things like, oh, he, she had sex with me, that must mean that they feel this. Or, oh, you know, people pick up on the tiniest things like, oh, he kissed me on my forehead afterwards. Or he said like, holy fuck, that was amazing. You know, and we will then leave that encounter and we'll say to our friends, oh my God, like he, she said, oh my God, holy fuck, that was amazing. Like, oh my God, maybe this is like something he, she has never experienced before. And like, oh my God, maybe this is it. Like, you know, we add meaning things when truly they might have just said that because like it was amazing. It was an intense orgasm. And for whatever reason, they were like, wow, that was fucking amazing. We add so much meaning in silence. And that is why it is so important to actually establish the truth of the meaning in the opposite of silence, whatever that is.
1: (laughs) Vocalizing it. Exactly. (laughs) The last point of, for me, this beautiful conversation is a, which is aftercare. And in my experience no one has ever taught me about aftercare it came much later in life i think if you are very attentive to person i think if you're very attentive to a person and their nuances and how they move and their responsiveness i think there's a general sense of wanting to care and know how to do aftercare but for people who don't know what is needed in aftercare it gives you a beautiful opportunity to have that discussion and it could be something as simple as You and I are having a sexual encounter this evening. It's casual. The aftercare that I'm wanting from this is that tomorrow morning you check in with me. You check in with me that I got home safely. You send me a message just to go, I love the evening, whatever it is, and good luck with your life, right? If the person can agree to something like that, then you've completed the RDBSMA conversation and you've come to the end of it where there is consent. There is agreement. There is a better understanding of what both parties are wanting, what you can give, how you can have a start, middle, and an end, and a beautiful closing end. And that in itself just creates safety. If you feel at any point that there is some kind of anxiety at any of the letters, that gives you the opportunity to go back to that again and explore it again until you're 100% experiencing a hard yes and not a me.
0: Oh, this conversation is so important. I swear every time we talk, I'm like, oh my God, that's my favorite conversation we've ever had. And they feel like that about this one as well. Like we've covered so, so many important things. And just to wrap up on the A, like, wow, the aftercare piece is so important. And just like we don't ask about their desire or their meaning or their boundaries or their sexual status. We also don't ask about what they consider aftercare and what we would like the aftercare to look like. And I know I'm not alone in knowing that that journey home in the Uber the next day, you know, it's silent and you're just like, oh my God, like, they're not going to text me. What did I do? Why did I do that? You know, the severity of the stress the next day can be dependent on how many of those letters you didn't discuss or how many parts and things were not met. So imagine you have a one night stand and the next day you think they might have a girlfriend. Your desire was something totally different to like what theirs was. I can't remember the letters. You guys know I'm awful at this acronym, but like you have different meaning. You didn't ask them about their sex results. They took the condom off and they didn't give you any aftercare. You've had every single one of those things breached. And then you wonder why the next day, casual sex is so fucking traumatizing. Well, yes, because this whole conversation is about safety. You did not have any of those markers of safety met before doing something that is very, very vulnerable. And I just think that this conversation has helped us to understand like why sex, even if you're in a relationship, like why sex can be upsetting for us, why sex can feel violating for us, why sex can feel traumatizing for us. It's because we do not talk about safety. We do not talk about consent. We do not talk about boundaries, meaning sexual status, aftercare. I'm sure i missed one out. You get the point. It's the silence. That really can change sex intimacy from something that should be beautiful and sacred and caring and loving. Even if you want it to be derogatory and kinky and all of those things, you can do all of those things, but with the foundations of this conversation. So again, such an important conversation and so grateful for all you bring to this podcast for these discussions. And most of all, like I said, I never want you to go through some of the situations that I have gone through. So Massimo, is there anything else from you before we wrap up?
1: There is one thing. And the way that I see this system is it is the most beautiful filtration system to see whether someone is serious enough to journey with. If someone can sit through the uncomfortable moments in this conversation and respect that you brought that to the table, they've scored a couple of points in being able to go, okay, This person is worthy enough to go with me on this journey. Whether it be a one-night stand or a long-term relationship, it makes no difference. But it changes the whole dynamic and it gives you an amazing filtration system to get rid of people who do not have good intention.
0: Could not agree more. And I can absolutely guarantee you that 99% of the men that I've slept with would not have passed this conversation. So I just want you to understand that if you feel like having this conversation is going to be impossible and awkward, you're not alone. I didn't do this when I was younger. But I know that moving forward, if I ever had to do this again, like Dr. Massimo said, it shows you the truth of a person. And I believe that you should only be sharing your body, your sacred space with people that are worthy of that. Thank you so much, Massimo. I will see you very soon.
1: Thank you again. See you soon.
0: Bye.